Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. So if you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible next to you and one in the back. And if you're opening it up to Acts chapter 4, um, you can find that on page 630. But the reason I want to jump into the, to this today right away is because God, I think, has been moving in his church for an incredibly long time. And it's easy for us to get out of the picture and think it's something that happened back then, way back then. And when we read this story today, it's easy for you to think, man, wouldn't that be cool to be in that place? And I agree. It'd be so cool to be in this place. But the same God that moves in the scripture that we're about to read is the God that moves today in our life. Last week, we we celebrated Easter, and the grave was empty. The grave is still empty. But oftentimes, in our own hearts, what we do is we roll a stone over our own heart, and we keep death in our life. We we may even say, we're we're a Christian, and that's incredible, but there are certain areas of our life that we just roll stones over our hearts and say, death, you're going to stay there. Addiction, you're going to stay there. Small thinking, you're going to stay there. Thinking that God is something that's way back there, you're going to stay there. And in our lives, we can roll so many stones over our heart. My prayer today is that if you come in here, you're hurting, you're wondering, you're confused, you're doubting, you're, what, you're anxious, whatever you are, that you would let God begin to roll back the stone of your heart. And he would create in you a soft, loving heart. I'm imperfect. I'm trying to figure out how to, to live life. I'm trying to figure out how to be a man and be your pastor. I've been a pastor for 18 years. I've had moments in my life when, because I've just been worn out emotionally, I've had to create a hard heart, so I thought. Distance myself from people a little bit because I'm just getting worn out. And then there's times when I've, I've had too soft of a heart. And it's like, now I really am getting worn out. My prayer today is that you don't have a hard heart and you're just not a wishy-wishy-washy, soft, soft, lovey-lovey. How do you spell that? Is that, is that hyphenated? That wasn't in my notes. I must have made that up. My prayer is that in the tension of where you're at today, you would encounter God in a very real way. Some of you, you need a softer heart. Some of you, you may need to, you need, may need to pull back a little bit. And you may need to enter, to enter into God's relationship and your relationship with God a little bit more. God, be my Lord and my Savior. Like Change my life so I'm more like you. And God, I pray that I'm not trying to be everyone's answer to the problems of the world, but I'm simply pointing you to be the answer to the problems of the world. So today, don't think about your neighbor, please. Don't think about the great ministry that you lead. Don't think about the great movements of the world. Think about you and your relationship with God and encounter him in a real way in this text today. Deal? Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. Let me read it. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign God, who made the heaven and the earth and the seas and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, 
to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their hearts and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Do you know what's happening in this passage? A quick flyby of what's brought us to this point is these apostles that walked with Jesus, saw him die, he was raised from the dead, and now the Holy Spirit is getting unleashed on the early church to the point where laymen are starting to celebrate and the authorities of that land are getting confused and worried because they're losing all power because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is moving. So the authorities call these two disciples in and say, basically, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore or you're going to get arrested. Because now there's 5,000 plus people that are out of control because you're teaching. So be quiet. And with that kind of warning, would you leave with that kind of warning and go do what they just did? Like, when they left, they were released and they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And all their friends and these two men in verse 30 or 24, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God And said, the text continues here. I like in my Bible that this section right here is kind of, it has little titles, you know those cute little titles that are in your Bible. Mine says, the believers prayed for boldness. I like that title. The the believers prayed for boldness in there because they were just warned, if you teach in Jesus anymore, you're getting arrested. Bad things are happening to you. And as soon as they're released, they go out and, and look in verse 23. I like the first word. It says, when, when they were released. This is just a reminder to me, by the way, when I was studying this and I was looking at this, that, that first word, when they were released, this is just a reminder that you will not always be in chains. I don't, I don't need to make a big deal of this, but when this season passes, and it will pass, whatever you're going through, do what these men did. What did they do? They celebrated and they praised God. So I'm not sure what bondage you feel in right now. I'm not sure what kind of prison you might feel in right now. I'm not sure what's going on in your life. But when he releases you, and he will release you, don't forget the first thing you do is you praise God Almighty for releasing you. I'll just sit on that for a little bit. Let's go to verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. They lifted their voices together. Watch out, Satan, and watch out evil when the church is united. Watch out. Sure, these two men had every reason to celebrate. They just got released. They're running out partying. Woo! Right? But what happens is when the church unites, it's an unstoppable force. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together. Church, we do this together. We celebrate together. We learn together. We grow together. We're in this together. They lifted their voices together to God and said. Said what? 
what story do you tell about Jesus when he moves in your life? Like, the Holy Spirit is moving in the early church, and these men are released, and the first thing they do is they lifted their voices together and said, and if you follow the text here, they just said their experience of God. And what follows in the next few verses, they just said their experience of God. So when you are released and when you're able to go out and tell people the good news of God, what would you say? How is Jesus moving in your life? What story could only you write and what words could only you put right there of of how Jesus has set you free? And so let's let's look right here in verse uh, 24. They lifted their voices together to God and said, this is their story. Sovereign God, who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them, who through their mouth, who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, like they've just started recounting and telling Jesus and telling God who he is and what he's done in their life. Who is God and what has he done in your life? Like if you were to take the next few verses and just kind of eliminate them from your Bible, you might get struck by lightning. But for the, for the sake of this, what if you were to do that and you were to write in right there? You were just released and your church project just lifted our voices together and you were given to the mic. What would you say about God Almighty and what he is and what he's done in your life? I know there's a lot of people here that would have incredible stories We could go around the room and recount and retell the stories of how God has broken the chains in our life. He set us free. He's rolled back the cold cold stone from our heart. And that's the story that we would tell. Tell the story in your words. Summarize the story in your words. I hated the assignment in college here where it says, take 200 pages and summarize and synthesize it into one paragraph. You, hate, you with me? Yeah. How am I supposed to summarize and synthesize 200 pages in one paragraph? And I know what the professors were getting at and what they're getting at. They're saying, get to the meat of the gospel message in your life. Get to the meat of this assignment and put it down in one paragraph. What is the meat of the gospel message in your entirety of life? What would be your elevator pitch? What would be that paragraph that you would say when someone says, tell me the joy that's in your heart. Tell me why you have such reason to live. What would you say? What is your story? Would you be able to summarize and synthesize what God has done and who he is in your life and recount the story to people you encounter? Practice it. Practice telling your story. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be grand. But just be honest. What has God done in your life and who is he? Because I guarantee it. If you're ready and you're looking, there's people you encounter every day that are in need of hope. And they're in need of hope, not in a rote way where you memorize what you're going to say, but they're in need of hope where you contextualize the gospel and the story in your own life. Like you show up in the situation at your workplaces or your college spaces or wherever you go, and you encounter people in the flesh in very real ways, and you're struggling through stuff together. Hard situations are happening, and all you're doing is you're recounting the hope love story, the gospel message to them in the way that they would understand. And this is what's happening in this paragraph. 
These people are celebrating and they're retelling the story of what God has done in their life. So let's, uh, let's get down to verse 29. I'm going to skip a whole bunch. House church, you can talk about the rest of that. But I want to get to verse 29 because I think this is the, the meat of what God has for us today at Church Project. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Look at verse 29. It says, God, give us this. As, as they've praised his name and they've recounted the story of what God has done in their life, they ask for, in verse 29, to speak your word with all boldness. In order to speak his word with all boldness, you need to know his word. Generally saying, you might say as a Christian, yeah, I know, I know his word. Like, I've, I've read bits, pieces here. I, you know, I occasionally jump in and dive into Scripture, or Aaron talks a whole lot about his word every Sunday, which I do. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. But generally, you might say, I know his word, but do you intimately, how specifically do you know his word? Are you asking God for specific words for you and over your life? Are you? Are you coming to Scripture and saying, God, not generally speaking, but specifically speaking. I need you to reveal yourself to me. I need you to speak a love message over my life. I want to know your word. And when we sit and when we pray and when we encounter God, do you do it just in rote fashion, just because of habit you go through it? Or do you encounter God with a soft and a warm heart and encounter his word with a soft and warm heart and just fall on your face and get, God, please give me specific words for and over my life about who you are. When you have specific words, you can speak with boldness. Why are they asking for God to give them more boldness? Because they've seen him move in their life. Not generally speaking in the Christianese kind of way, but in specific and personal ways. They've seen God move in their life. And so what are they doing in verse 29? They're saying, God, make us speak even with more boldness. Because we know this is true. This isn't something fake that we just conjured up. Now let's get to verse 30, because this is what I've been waiting for all morning. My goodness, look at verse 30. This is probably one of the coolest verses in the Bible. D- did you catch this? Did you, did you get this? Or am I just nerding out over this one verse? I think this is probably one of the coolest verses in the entirety of the Bible. And sure, you kind of have to put 29 into it as well. So let's look at it. 29 and 30. And now, this is a prayer. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. This is a prayer that they're asking God over their own life. We get to verse 30, and it says, While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You know what this verse, why I think this is one of the coolest verses in the entirety of the Bible, especially for the American church? is because we are pretty arrogant people. We're pretty intellectual. Congratulations, college people. Everybody flash a college degree. Like, that's wonderful, that's awesome. 
But especially in the context of America, we like to know that we are in control, that we have done this, that by our great might and by our intellect or our great passion, because of our ethos or pathos or whatever it may be, that we have been able to accomplish this. When we get to verse 30 right here, the people that are living this dynamic moment, look what's happening in verse 29 and verse 30. And in verse 30, they say, while you, God, it's you, The whole reason that this thing is moving and that things are growing is not because of humans, because if it's up to us, I'm going to fail you every single time. And in verse 30, it says, and they are praying, and it's our prayer today as well, while you, God, stretch out your hand to heal. I can't heal. We have some incredible physicians in this church that can physically heal, and I'm in awe, and I pray that God continues to use you and groom you and grow you in these things. I can't physically heal, and I definitely cannot heal emotionally and spiritually. I don't know how many times I've sat in a counseling session for a marriage or something that's falling apart, and my heart goes out and it breaks for this person or this couple that's going through this incredibly hard thing. But you know what? One hour of sitting with Aaron Havens, as good-looking as he is, cannot make up for 20 years of a bad marriage. And as much as as my heart's breaking and I want to heal, I can't heal. And as much as I want to break the chains for you, I can't break them. And as much as you might want that for your spouse or for other people, they can't do it for you. That's why I think in verse 30, we encounter the power of the gospel. It's broken people who will be first to raise their hand and say, I'm messed up. I'm messed up. And it's not by man's might, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God. Look at verse 30. While you, God, stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, the Jesus I encounter in Scripture and the Holy Spirit I encounter in Scripture never leaves things the same. He changes. He rearranges He makes them new. We're going to celebrate baptism here in a little bit. And it's just a symbol of what God has been doing in people's lives. When God encounters you, you're never the same. He grows you. He molds you. He equips you. He changes you. He takes your heart of stone and makes it soft. The devastating areas of your life don't seem so devastating. He changes everything, and it's by His power He does this. Let's look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you capture that? God is not picky. He's not picky. He's not waiting for you to say the right thing before he unleashes his awesomeness on you. He's not waiting for you to cross that T or dot that I before he unleashes his awesomeness on you. And yet at the same time, look at this text. He is, though, a gentleman. 
they had to pray before he unleashed this awesomeness. Did you catch that? Let's look at the scripture. Where are we at? Verse 31. There, 31. And then, and when they had prayed, what were they doing? You can say it, it's okay. Praying. The place which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all, God's not picky, all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The place in which they were gathered was shaken. Why? It's not something that new that that suddenly happened in their life. They were doing what they were always doing. They prayed, and because they prayed and they did, God showed up in big, big ways. And he was not picky. He didn't say, I'm going to drop my spirit on Ryan because he feels he looks like he needs it. I'm not going to do it on him and leave this one out. No, when they came together and they were in unison, they did what they always did. They prayed. And then look what happens. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. I go, shut up. Shut up. No way. What? Like, how many of you have experienced this? How many of you have experienced the power of God moving so much that the whole place shakes? Have you? I hope. Come tell us your story. Like, I, I read this and I, I just go, yeah, that happened way back then, right? Like, but have you experienced a room shaking? Have you experienced the Holy Spirit moving in your life? If you have, awesome. I read this and I go, shut up. Like, no way. What? What's happening here? Church, do you believe God still moves in these ways today? Do you? Do you believe that God still moves in these ways today? Have you seen and witnessed a mighty outpouring of his Holy Spirit? I long for it. And do you pray for more? Church, what were they doing before this was unleashed? They were praying. They were encountering God and asking him to, with his outstretched hand, heal and resurrect and do and love. They were praying, and when they were praying, God showed up. Do you pray for a Holy Spirit movement in your life? Do you pray for a Holy Spirit movement in the life of church project? Do you pray that God would move and shake our physical building? Weston doesn't, because that might be expensive. (laughs) No, I pray he does, because if he's going to shake it, hopefully he keeps it all together too. But are you praying for that? I'm praying for that. Church, let's pray for that. Do you long for the things of God, whatever they might be, whatever he might want to do? I pray that God shakes things up, like the pun. I pray he shakes things up in our life. I pray he shakes things up in our personal lives, and then he's going to shake things up in our corporate ecclesia lives. I pray that God shakes things up. I long for the things of God, whatever they may be. I think it would be awesome to have this place. Move and shake because of the power of Jesus Christ. Notice that they did, they did start doing something after God made his presence known. Verse 31, after God, the place was shaken, they continued to do what they had already been doing. Don't expect for God to move in your life in incredible and powerful ways right now if you're not encountering him every day of your life. 